0: Hello and welcome to Calm with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest is Jonathan Peugeot, who's an icon carver and a symbologist and somewhat of a YouTube hermeneut that is, a interpreter of the meaning inside of various cultural artifacts and products. I wanted to speak to him about the template of the temple of human meaning. If there is such a thing like a a pattern that undergirds all of our meaning making patterns. And we start there, but then we veer off into a bunch of different areas regarding humanity and our collective meaning and our spirituality and our religiosity or just our religious impulse. This is our third or fourth time speaking. And so if you want to know the development of these conversations, I will try to link a miniature playlist down below for you to surf the symbolic waves with myself and Jonathan. For now, I will Hope that you are content to just dive in to the deep end of meaning with us, or the deep end of the meaning pool with us. Here you go. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too. I think the last time we spoke was probably in June or July with Paul Vanderclay. It's a while ago. Was yeah. it
1: last year? Yeah, that would work. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. The world was like
0: going...
1: <laughs> and as if it has stopped going <laughs>
0: <laughs> what have you been uh investing most of your time in lately
1: i mean i'm just trying to kind of consolidate i'm trying to make the whole symb- symbolism thing not about me i guess would be the a lot of my energy is going into and so there are a lot of people kind of buzzing around uh who have their own content and there's like a facebook group and um there so i'm tried to i'm changing my website into kind of a platform which will be a place for discussion and for people publishing their own stuff so oh. that's been yeah so it's so we've already been doing it like we have a blog that people publish on um, and we have like a group of editors and a group of uh, kind of proofreaders and stuff And so I'm trying to take that to the next level so that we can, you know, just to me, it's, it's, I'm hoping there'll be like a team of people that kind of understand what all this is about so that, so that we can keep changing the world, I guess. You know, that's the
0: idea. Um, What is this all about, Jonathan?
1: Well, it's really about, it's, one of the things that's going on is that the world is being re-enchanted, you could say. And so the religious is crashing back into reality, whether we want it or not, it's just happening. And so the idea is I'm hoping that there can be enough people that are advancing in this direction in a, in an under with understanding and with a kind of, with an understanding of what's happening. And so they doesn't get out of control and so the last year with the whole uh, Floyd protests and, you know, the kind of weird, the weird vibe around COVID and the way people perceive it and these strange new uh, ways to show you're a good person, all of these strange things are kind of, are all kind of flooding in and people are struggling to really understand what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so I think that that's what's going on is that a lot of, that the a lot of, the, the modernity and the kind of materialism is is breaking down um and so that can have some scary ramifications and so hopefully we can have some people that are speaking into that in a good way
0: yeah it it seems like listening to your material there's a pattern underneath the pattern making and like there's this kind of this algorithm of pattern recognition mm-hmm. and i I don't know if there's if it can be distilled into like a very simplified pattern, is it intuitive? Is it like math, like picture math in some way? Mm -hmm. Is it always, is it you projecting onto the world in order that you previously know, or that you kind of recognize, I don't know, intuitively subconsciously? I think
1: it's a, I think it's a place where it's hard to differentiate the two uh, in the sense that, So one of the things that's going on, I would say one of the things that people are understanding more and more is the the role that consciousness plays in how reality appears to us. And so that conscious consciousness, conscious beings, intelligence is actually a part of how the world lays itself out. And so, you know, the whole the whole problem of emergence and how complexity and unity can coexist. It's something that just in a lot of fields, they're really struggling to deal with. They're really struggling to find solutions to. And consciousness seems to be the solution, though it's very difficult to understand consciousness because it's the vehicle by which we understand reality. So it's like, it's it's hard to be self, it's hard to have the self-reflexive move, let's say. Um And so, but once you kind of understand that, once you understand that consciousness actually plays a role in how reality lays itself out, then the difference between you know, recognizing a pattern in reality. And, and let's say from outside, not imposing, but let's say kind of mapping a pattern onto reality, that those two end up just being the same thing, Hmm. Um, especially if you don't see it as a subjective thing. It's like, it's not arbitrary. It's not like everybody has their own little patterns that they try to project onto the world. There's an objective reality to that, which is that the world reveals itself to us as pattern. And if we engage it with the with the right patterns then it'll be the most fruitful and so you can try to you can also you can try you people do it all the time right you can actually try to hold on to little patterns or to try to see little patterns as more important than what they are and then what's going to happen is it's going to work for a while and then it's going to break down and you're going to you know you're going to run into run into problems and so like you can see that in yourself let's say your desires are patterns and so if you you can you can latch on to these little patterns, and if you not careful, then they, they, they actually exist. Like they have their own existence. So it feels mm-hmm. like you're doing like you're in, on a right track. But then when you start to to play it out, then it uh, hmm. then it then it it will devour you, or you know, and, and something like that.
0: No. So speaking of biology, let's say uh, our digestive tract. So one way of Adulating that is to become a glutton or an Epicurean, even, to really maximize that portion of life and to maximize that pattern. And equal and opposite, but perhaps still the same thing, is to become a hardcore dietarian and to to worship that or make that your ladder. Oh, yeah. That's a great God
1: right now. There's so many, like, that dietary God has just taken over. (laughs) Everybody just talks about food all the time. It's really hilarious. Huh. I mean, it really is. It shows you like what what happens when these smaller patterns kind of take over, and they kind of take over the horizon of reality, and then everything gets seen through that lens. Yeah. Uh, that's a great example, you know. Yeah. Like and and the, and so the dietary guy sees himself as op- as an opposite to the fast food glutton, but they're serving the same god ultimately. Just like the capitalists and the communists see themselves as enemies, but they're just all serving the same thing.
0: Well, they all what see- would be the common? God and the capitalist con communist continuum.
1: Well, well, the idea that the the purpose of, of humanity is, is kind of physical wealth or let's say physical comfort. And the, so if you attain that, then you'll be free somehow. And so the communist thinks, you know, it has to be done equally and through this kind of this, uh, this system that, it, that kind of gives to everybody what they need. And the, the capitalist thinks it's through competition, um, you know, through effort, but uh but both are worshiping, you know, the same thing, and so even though they're enemies, they end up they end up being on the same field. So that's mm-hmm. why when someone asks me that, like, are you are you a socialist? Are you a capitalist? I'm like, I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to play your game. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I I don't see those as being as being the highest value. You know. Uh,
0: so yeah, but you can still articulate value within that conversation. What yeah, you you're ordained right. to. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, I get, I, so- I can still see that. That well, I see that both of those systems, when run, run like if you run them purely, they have their own disease, and they they those diseases happen, you know. And so when people talk about like late capitalist uh, disease, it's true, like it's it really is happening. Like it, you know, you you we're seeing this whole our whole system of values kind of fall apart, and this kind of uh, this kind of world of desire and little desires take over, and how it what it does to society, what it does to, to how we see the world environment, how we see nature, all of that is, is going on. Um, And so they're right. But the idea of replacing that with like a tyrannical system of, of, you know, top-down distribution of wealth is that's, I don't think that's the solution either. Mm
0: -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have a template. It's partially intuitive and partially based on your learning I, I think that there's both going on. I don't know to what extent you're aware which is which, but you're obviously very well studied, but you're also, you have an artistic sentiment. And I think that, that you're storytelling in the moment, making sense out of any given set of phenomena, be it a TV show from Disney to a uh, racy music video. You can just apply this thing, uh, right? <laughs> <Music video. Yeah. laughs> I'm referring to something you released yesterday. Yeah, just a recent video, the Montero. Very well done. Very well done. Um, so it seems like you have a template for a temple that can organize everything else um, underneath I, So the, I, the
1: idea, like the way that I see it is that the patterns itself are like the things that I'm pointing to are not visible. Like they're not, they can't really be totally contained. And so it's just that they're, they're, they inform reality. And so the, the way to, the way you can only intuit them but you can't totally describe them. So the idea is to help one of the ways that I try to do it is to sh- is to surprise people with examples that they didn't think were you know like I'll, like you said like I'll find an example from the Bible and then from some stupid music video. And then the fact that I can show you that those two things are talking about the same reality kind of gives you um hmm. like a like an intuition of something of something above it which is which is manifesting in these two different things. And yeah. so that's kind of so so it's not like so you could say that the temple, for example, is definitely an image, a cosmic image of everything. Um, but there are many images like that. Like the, there, there are many versions of of that kind of cosmic image. But the, the the image of a temple is definitely like a microcosm in terms of how it has it has it accounts for kind of all all reality, even the breakdown of reality. One of the problems with a lot of the systems is that they don't account for the breakdown of the system. Uh, whereas the kind of traditional symbolism actually accounts for the place where systems break down. So that the idea of a hierarchy of being means that you also yeah. understand that on the edge of that, there are freaks, there are exceptions, there are all these things on the edge. Um, and so it, it actually, and you can actually help people understand that. Like mm-hmm. you can you can help people understand what the role of the freak is or what the role of the strange is uh, in, in kind of a meta system, I'd say. Uh, whereas when we tend to think of the system we tend to think of things that are totally contained and that all of it is named but in the symbolic vision there's also room for the unnamed and the unnameable let's say or the things that escape escape uh identification
0: um yeah but you do have like one uh, symbol to rule them all you do keep (laughs) on pointing to christ yeah you say it explicitly yeah the
1: incarnation the incarnation is definitely a how can i say this it definitely brings in everything into itself uh and it does in a way that's very difficult to describe even the story itself it's it's hard to contain it in your mind when you try to because it christ contains sometimes these like wild opposites in the same story and it can kind of when you look at this, the story, it kind of can go by you and you don't realize it. But then when you start to attend to it, you realize what's going on in this So story? wait, it, it, like, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's almost like you're describing analyze. something
0: that's uh, a system that's constantly breaking itself then, or constantly pulling it's, it's itself most out like, of systemization. It's
1: like, maybe that's a good uh, way of understanding in the sense that that uh, Christ, you can see, let's say then the pattern of of the logos, you can kind of see the image of the temple, Right in his story. But then there's also all these things in his story that join the, let's say, uh, say it this way. Like let's say a temple has a, as a holy, holy, a holy place. And then it has a hierarchy where you'll have a priest that, that is very holy to a certain extent. And then you have the people that are less holy and then moving towards the outside. Um, and the outside is usually understood as kind of chaos, but Christ actually does weird things where he joins the extremes together. Hmm. And so it's like, so for example, like the cross is both the, the the Holy of Holies and the outside of the temple at the same time. And it's there in the story. It's like, I'm not just saying that to sound smart. It's like in the story, you have a sense that what's going on is there's a joining of the extremes in one, in one place. Okay. And so it's like, so that's, that's what, that's why the story of Christ is really difficult to hold in your mind because it, it, it tends to, Tends to 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 span the entirety of everything,
0: and is that joining, in itself, something to do with this incarnation principle?
1: Well, you, you could say that he manifests the root of reality, and so and so and that root is kind of it's transcended. It doesn't it can't be totally okay. contained. He, yeah. you, and so so it's it's always kind of pointed to something which is which is difficult to totally understand. Okay, uh, and so and so that's the that's the thing about about Christ. And so what ends up happening and maybe it's normal is that people have their own little Jesus in their mind. And and everybody kind of has their own little Jesus and and the, it's the kind of the aspect of Christ that they can hold on to. And so that's what sometimes leads to some of the problems in Christianity too is that if people hold on to one aspect of Jesus then then they they end up they they end up running into problems when they reach, when they meet the people that have that other vision of Jesus, let's say. Mm. So, and so like the idea that Christ is a King and is, and is the ruler of all and is the judge of reality. All of that is a true, but the idea that Christ is the lamb is the humble is the meek is the victim is all of that is also true at the same time. Hmm. And so when you have people that hold on to one more, one image mostly of Christ and then meet the other, then you've got a big problem.
0: Or a tremendous release of energy.
1: You hope so. That you would hope that it would be a positive. Like, you know, when you when you when those things happen when they encounter themselves, you have a you have a kind of ecstatic vision. Let's say, yeah. Okay, so
0: if insofar as you're trying to provide space for other people to do this work, so that this work of making sense of reality, let's say, continues beyond beyond you how do you impart to them the correct method or let's just say how to be balanced in organizing there's a lot of organization this is basic organization and human beings our minds our feelings and our imaginations get really unwieldy really quick
1: well one of the things
0: that i'm trying one of the things that first of all can help is that if you
1: bounce your ideas off other people, that is definitely like people who think about symbolism and are just kind of alone in their own little world and just mull it over. They, they tend to go crazy after a while. It's not good. Uh, It's good to, it's good to exchange. And then second of all, it's always about, so let's say the idea that there's a pattern, say the pattern of the temple, we can use that as an example, that that pattern of a temple scales up and down. And so, yeah, if you want to understand, so, so I, so people will, let's say, read a, a story or, or watch a movie and then the, they want to know whether the pattern they perceive is is a real pattern, whether it's just their own imagination. Usually the way to do it is to see if it scales. So, for example, does it scale in the movie itself? Let's say if you're watching a movie, that's one thing. So, for example, like the the overarching theme that you see, can you see it at, at lower levels in the movie? And so can you notice that the little actions that the main character are playing are playing out the same pattern that you see at the larger scale, so that's one thing. But then also, does that pattern exist in other stories? So is it possible? Is it? Is it? Can you find it in other fairy tales, in other in other movies, in other stories? And if not, you you're probably you're probably off because okay. because because the the patterns are just the patterns of, or maybe not completely off. But you're 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 you need to keep working, like keep working at it, because the, these patterns um they're 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 the they're the very way you recognize a story usually like even the the idea that the capacity you have to recognize that something has a beginning and an end, that something has a movement within it that you recognize that these different events are correlate are related to each other, right? Yeah. That that it's not arbitrary. You can't okay. just make that up. It it you we have a way of attending to facts that make us understand that things are related to each other. Um, and those, that's an objective thing or else you wouldn't be able like, if that didn't exist, you would walk outside and then all the millions of facts would just impose themselves on you in a way that you wouldn't be able to sift through. Uh, but, but the fact that we can do that means that there's a hierarchy of, there's a hierarchy of attention that we have and that hierarchy has a shape and you can, you can kind of, you can describe
0: it. Okay. So, but that, that work is related to harvesting meaning. It it can be creative in and of itself, and an adventure, a detective story. There's aspects of that too. But it seems like if you're going into That's a work of enough. art yeah. with a premeditated plan, I'm going to show the archetypical mono myth or whatever. It's going to be very monotone. Uh, there yeah. is uh, in For hopefully me, it's not
1: because that monomyth myth is just is not there, good enough.
0: <laughs> there's blindness and creativity. There, yeah, there's there's yeah. an energy, a transcendent energy, a, like a boiling passion or something like that, that it, that I need to anchor myself in, and let the meaning happen afterward. What are your thoughts on that no, aspect right. of it, and and how does that relate to the uh, that sewing of meaning relate to the harvesting of meaning?
1: I totally agree. I totally agree with you. So a lot of people ask me about that. They say they'll say, tell me things like, you know, I'm trying to write a story, let's say. And I'm really struggling to put the symbolism in the story. And I'm, and I'm like, dude, you got it wrong. Don't do that. That's not the right way to go about it. Uh, you, you have to, you have to obey the rules of the things you're doing, like in the, in the moment that you're doing it in the sense that you're, you're creating. And then like, let's say you're creating, you're writing a story, then you should, you should not think about symbolism when you're writing your story. Uh, and once you've written let's say your first draft, then you can go back and do some editing if you need to, but while you're writing you wouldn't you wouldn't want to think about symbolism because it'll cripple you
0: mm. and
1: people that's what happens People get totally crippled by mm. their desire <laughs> to insert symbolism into their story that the the story has its own logic, and then once you once you see it, then that logic you can fine tune it later right okay. to make it more what it is, but it's not about uh, trying to Jam symbolism into the story. It's not gonna. You're you're not gonna be very successful if you try to do that.
0: Well, what is the what is the symbolism of of that point of being that creative point of being that it sounds blind to me in a way that the symbolist or the interpreter, the hermeneut, is is really looking at things. The the poet in in the broadest sense of the one who assembles the one who makes is blind to that so what what is the stance or can you express and explore yeah the qualities of that well
1: for sure the symbolist
0: is second tier i often i often
1: kind of the people don't realize that one of the reasons why i doing this is because the world is so messed up it's not it's not, this is not a natural way of going about things. Like mm. understanding symbolism is a second hand thing. It's not, that's not what it's traditional societies didn't have like science of symbolism. Why would they do that? They don't need that. They, they they're they living inside of a, of a pattern and they, they're, they're living it, right. They're expressing it. They're, okay. they're embodying it, let's say. And so it's only in the, in the breakdown, let's say it's only at the end that, all of a sudden you can want, first of all, you can talk about it because you're moving away from it. Um, and second of all, maybe you need to talk about it. If you don't want to get lost in the darkness, or if you want to get lost in the brokenness, because as the pattern kind of breaks down, let's say as society fragments and as identities fragment, there's an opportunity there, but there's a big danger of just getting lost, you know, and then mm-hmm. not finding your way. So, so the idea of then of, of from that, moment of chaos and breakdown to be able to to point to the line to, like to point to the pieces of bread that have been dropped along the way uh that's kind of what the i think the work of the symbolist would be okay but that's not enough and you're right it's not that's not sufficient
0: yeah
1: um that's why i tell people like i i kind of joke around and like i'm not joking i'm serious but i tell people you know you can watch my videos all you want but you at some point you have to go to church like you have to you have to get you have to sing you have to but right, you have to embody, you have to live it. You can't yeah. just think about it or else yeah. it's not going to give you anything. It's yeah. going to be, but it can be, it, it's, a good, it's a good wake up for people that are kind of in the, the chaotic breakdown, uh, but it's not enough, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Is it Fukuyama that wrote then The End of History? I think in the late nineties, there's an author yeah. who wrote about the end of history, post-Soviet, post-Cold War. Maybe he was right and we're stuck in the footnotes now.
1: Well, history's coming back pretty fast.
0: <laughs> Fair
1: enough. <laughs> it's like I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I think I understand what he meant, but I I think that uh I think that it's coming back in the sense that it there's a there's a breakdown that's going on. there's a breakdown of the story um and it has a it has a function, but it's not yeah. it, it didn't lead to this kind of just stasis utopian stasis that he thought maybe what he thought he was talking about. Like it doesn't lead to Star Trek. I wish, I know, I know you, a lot of people think it leads to Star Trek. It doesn't. Hmm. It doesn't lead to a world with like Christian values without religion, where you explore the world with, with these Christian values. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen.
0: (laughs) That brings up something that kind of initiated this particular conversation. Richard Dawkins asked a question about why one person can't change races, but they can change sex or gender, whatever you want to say. And then that got some blowback and he's like, well, I retract my question because I don't want to be allied with those bigots on the Republican side. And then a bunch of his colleagues, this humanist association so-called, said, oh, we don't want to be allied with Richard Dawkins because he's a bigot now. And it was just... It was an aspect of what we perceive as the dark side of religion, the uh, judgmental side, the part that that condemns and casts out and makes a scapegoat and says, this is unpure and distances that person. And I went to the humanist website and they had their explanation of what humanism is to them. And it was a bunch of like anecdotes or personal representations that were very... uh, Quotidian is the word. Very puffed up on these these really great sounding ideas. It, it had all of the this very fruitful. We we are free from superstition. Hmm. We, we can we can love each other through science and objective reality, and it sounds really good on paper, uh, but it doesn't taste good to me. But I don't know if that's just because my tastes are different. Yeah. Than that. What what are some of your? Because what I saw was that well, they're going to impose some sort of religious moral order, and they've mm-hmm. latched onto it with social justice. Social justice has provided atheism and and humanism with that moral code, scrubbed of all this religious symbolism. What is missing when you get away from that symbolism is some sort of guidance through this structure. I don't know. what are, What are your thoughts yeah. on? The end of humanity. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, yeah,
1: for sure, I, it's like I, I, it's, it's hard for me not to I don't want to be Freud, but it's just hard for me not to feel that with the new atheist, because they they brought they kind of brought about this world, but they didn't realize that it wasn't enough. Like they just said, let's just get, we just need to get rid of religion and then we'll all be fine. But they they introduced the world to social justice like they opened the door. To social justice and now they're getting devoured by their own child let's say could you um, could you and,
0: just define what you mean by social justice in this context or what they well,
1: yeah well in the sense that atheism isn't enough right you need something it could it, it, you maybe it could have been something else it's possible but there's something about this kind of materialism uh and this kind of revolutionary, because one of the aspects of materialism is that it's, it's, you could say that it's revolutionary in its very pattern. That is, it's trying to say that reality stems from below, right? Reality stems out of matter, and that the patterns are just this superstitious, superimposed thing that we put on there, okay? Uh, but this revolutionary way of thinking, it has a, it has a reality, and it, it plays itself out. You know, and it plays itself out by a succession of revolutions, uh, and so the social justice is the is the, like the final revolution. It's mm. the last revolution because it's it's basically saying we want to take the the most rejected thing and make it king. Like we want okay. to, we want to identify the most marginalized, most rejected, most strange, most uh, less the thing that has the less identity possible, the least identity. And then we want to make that the king, um, but that it's. A, I mean, obviously, Dawkins, when he was when he was trying to reduce the world to genes, didn't understand that that's what he was bringing about. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter when you try to stem reality from below, it's mm-hmm. going to play itself out in terms of meaning. And the final the final version of that is that. So you could say that. It's just another version of the tyranny of the proletariat, right? It's just another version of the idea that that which is the lowest has to become king. And, and, and so now it's playing out in terms of identity instead, instead of in terms of, uh, in terms of social class. But it doesn't matter. Because it's, it's, in terms of the story, it's the same. And okay. materialism is, is part of that rung. It's part of that game, even if they don't realize that that's, that that's what's going on. Like one of the, the absurdity of, of Dawkins, um, like proposal to make the entire world an expression of genes is just so absurd. It's, it's absurd in the sense that it, it, this denial of patterns or this denial that there is a top down layout of how the thing works. That's why I mean that it's I it, it's just kind of this it's it's funny to watch that him then get eaten by okay. his own process. OK, uh, but in a social manner because he tried to avoid the social question. He's like, I just proposing this biological thing. Like I'm just I'm just proposing the scientific thing. I've even heard interviews with him where he says that oh I, when I when, it ter- when in terms of social questions I you know, I defer to the sociologist. And I defer to the to to those people. But dude, like I said the pattern is going to is is happening and it's happening to you in society. So the the version of his selfish gene of this lower reality, of this like lower reality coming up and ruling over that's a uh, top-down structure. Now it's playing out in the social fear and he doesn't see that it's the same thing. He doesn't Hmm. see that now he's being devoured by his own story.
0: Okay. Does Does, that make sense? Yeah. It's a tide with a thousand eddies, by which I mean, you take that major revolution of... Uh, of instead of this transcendent reigning over the eminent or the bottom, you do that turn first and then it works out on every sub pattern afterwards. Yeah. Every single pattern, just like you were saying with, with the story, how does it work out? If we do it here, if I do this privilege politic in this training right here, how's that going to work out on every level of my organization? Just for example, yeah. uh, in the, and you can, you
1: can understand and you can understand it in terms of, uh, so so for example like whether people agree with this or not like it doesn't it doesn't matter. So you have this like in terms of just understanding the pattern like I just let me draw out a pattern for you. Okay. So you have this idea that let's say the spiritual authority, the priests, the prophets, you know, they have they get their authority from God. Yeah. Okay. And 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 then they they usually they don't have physical power. So the priestly caste, they don't have an army. They're not supposed to, you know, or like the, let's say the, 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 the Brahmins in, in India don't have, uh, don't have a, a physical power, right? And then they confer some authority down to the level below them. Let's say the, the politicians, the, the kings, the, the warriors or whatever. Um, usually what happens, and you can see it like a, when, the, when the political class tries to take power from the spiritual class, so in the Middle Ages, you see that as the King of France trying to subject the Pope to him, uh, you know, uh, killing, uh, killing the Templars, all of that kind of stuff that happened in the late Middle Ages, or making state churches, you know, um, trying to subject the church to the authority of the, of the politician. What happens is that then the political power is, doesn't have a legitimizing structure. It doesn't have a way to legitimize its authority. How without does that play out the, then? Then it plays out that the ones below them say, well, you don't have authority over me. Like, where does your authority come from? And so they try to take it for themselves. Okay. So the bourgeois will revolt against the, against the, 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 aristocracy, the aristocracy, or, yeah, aristocracy. And then it just keeps going like that. Like, it's, it's just yeah. a, a revolution. So, but that happens like it, you could say that it happens at every, uh, at every level of reality. Yeah. You know, a good example that I've been trying to help people understand, which is very simple, which is like the idea of like the liberation of sexuality, the liberation of sexuality. People say we don't need sexuality to be submitted to to, let's say, reproduction or to be submitted to to family and to fruitful production of continuation of life. And they think this is going to free. It's going to make us happy. It starts like that. And then through a series of revolutions, it ends with some crazy some some loner guy sitting in his basement addicted to some very strange fetishistic porn where he can't get off without this weird little thing that he has to be be and 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 it's like that's the result of the liberation of sexuality Hmm. because it's like this series of revolutions where if you don't submit to something higher it ends up things take from them and then you end up with
0: yeah 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 i i stepped in that electrified puddle Uh, by suggesting there was this very strange video maybe you saw it and it was just a clip of this young female who doesn't want to be called a woman or referred to as she speaking about how going to the abortion clinic it was very hurtful it was like being slapped every two seconds or something like that because they were ignoring her desired pronouns and i just said well the life that's being we've revolted we've revolted from life and now sex doesn't mean anything even Mm. even biological sex not even the act doesn't mean anything the the actual sex category that doesn't mean anything if you don't think that those two things are related you're not you're not looking at the picture and i know it's not an easy i'm not saying that one thing is good or bad i'm just saying that this whole mess is related to unmooring ourselves from an anchor
1: yeah. And that, that video, I mean, it was something like mythological about it because the fact that she was going to get an abortion, just, got, it just like cinched the whole thing about what sexuality is for, mm. it's like, it, it's like a little microcosm. I was like, deny what, w- the, let's say, the purpose of, or one of the purposes of sexuality, deny that. And then right away, like tumbled into, like none of this means anything except for my own kind of solipsistic will of what I am and what yeah. I want people to to say that I am, you
0: know? Yeah. So, man, yeah. 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 I, I think that that's something that your video about little Nas is that uh, uh, S X is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I don't know. I do not know. Uh, but your video explored his video where he participates in very mythological framing, and you even complimented him on, on uh, like authority gets it. Yeah, he was yeah. he was really on point. Uh, but one thing that stu- stood out was that it's all about the self. The, the ultimate revolution comes down to well, it's just me and my own will above everything else. And so I can only interact with everything if it comes in, in the form of me, if it comes in, in my own shape, which I've seen in the Evergreen documentary, there's this very p- p- powerful individual who's at the center of a lot of the unrest is very just seeing their own self and everything that's going on can't can mm. ever break out of their yeah, own yeah. self. And, and it really speaks to the narcissism uh, that is really boosted by the way that we're connecting with each other through media, through social media, et cetera, like that. Um, What is, like, the first step to, like, uh, uh, revolting against that pattern? Like, really revolting against it and stopping it and turning it back around? Well... (laughs) Because this you is, hinted, like, you I'm said gonna, the, self, the, the selfless people are, people individual. Li- okay. I, can, I can
1: tell you, people are going to like it. It's, it's, it's worship. Like, that's what it is. Uh. It's recognizing that which is above you. Just, just at least recognizing it. Like, recognizing. So, you can see it, like, as simple as, you know, the, the idea of, like, why is it that AA works? And AA first works because the first thing they tell you is you need to recognize that there's something bigger than you. And that's the, that's the solution the the problem, that's what was the problem in the first place is, was, you know, in the story, in the, the biblical story, the idea of like taking the apple for yourself, right. Of saying that I am God and that, mm-hmm. and I can make myself God. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, that's where it all starts to tumble. But if you recognize that, which is above you, um, then all of a sudden you, you can find your proper place and then you can see that because we're all let's say we're you let's not even say God, like let's let, let's let's get lower because God is so high that people are just think I'm talking about a sky daddy. It's like, OK, so let's talk about playing hockey or playing baseball, right? You're in a team. And if you want the team to coexist and you want people to start being narcissistic, they need to focus on the thing for which the team is bound together. So if if, if you focus on winning the championship and playing baseball as best as you can, then the team can exist as a cohesive whole. But if people start to forget that and the players start to think just about their Lamborghinis and their girlfriends and their little solipsistic world and their prima donna existence, then the team's going to even if the players are the best players, the team's going to break down and they're not going to accomplish the goal that they wanted to accomplish in the first place. And so that's what I mean, is that the solution is always to see what is above us which binds us together. Um, and if we can do that, then we we get pulled out of our of our of our kind of uh, self referential narcissistic space, you know. But but ultimately that does lead to God, and and but but we can understand it at lower levels if, if yeah, God yeah, is too yeah, too difficult yeah. to talk about.
0: Well, okay. Let, let's for the moment let's uh, parenthesize. Let's put into brackets those people who. D- can't think of God as anything other than the sky daddy or, or yeah, 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 think yeah. about it negatively in that way. What are some of the problems that believers have, especially young believers? People are saying, okay, there is a God I need to worship. Uh, what is this thing? Uh, th- there's some uh, snags and trips in that conception. And what are, some, what are some of the underbrush that needs to be cleared up when somebody's ready ready uh, to go down the path of uh, con- committing to, to worship?
1: Yeah. Well, especially now, because one of the problems we have now is a narcissistic form of Christianity too, which is that you know, people say I recognize there's a God, but God is basically my servant. I'm not gonna say that, but I act that way. Like I act as if God is there to fill my needs, right? I'm you know, so I go to church because I to fill my needs. And I go to church to to. To get something, to get something, whether it is, and, and the thing is that you will always get something from, from, from that. But if you, if you focus just on the things you get, then at some point, it's the same kind of narcissism is going to break down. Okay. Right. And and so, because if you do that, then what's going to happen is if life doesn't go the way you want it to you're right away going to doubt your faith, right? Because because you got sick or because your best friend died or because these hard things are happening to you. It's like, well, I doubt my faith because basically I thought that the the, the ultimate source of reality was there to serve me and to make me feel good about myself. Huh. Um, and so that's one of the big issues that people have, um, I think in terms of kind of contemporary Christianity, where that's how they, they don't, they wouldn't necessarily say it out loud, but you can see by the way people are acting and interacting that they tend to think that way. Um,
0: What's the proper way of folding that suffering into faith rather than using it as a means of escape?
1: Mm. I mean, I think humility, it's, it's tough. It's like, I, <laughs> I'm judging myself when I say that I'd be careful, man. Careful mm. what I say. Cause it's a tough road to, to go down. Um, you know, accepting like just the idea of accepting the lot that you have i think you know accepting what's going on doesn't mean that you're not going to do anything about it right doesn't mean you you're not going to try to to work on what's going on but it's 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 like just accepting that this is what i've got like this is the reality that's there um mm. you know but that's a it's tough that's a tough mm. thing
0: to do mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. and why do people react so strongly to worship uh you brought it uh, up to Jordan Peterson yeah. in your conversation. There, there's a, there's a slight feeling twinge, oh, airiness, yeah, yeah. It might be kind of Western, yeah. kind of like, don't tell me what to do. I don't know what it is, and, and not not in uh, Mr. Peterson specifically. No, no, but. no,
1: no, no, no. But you're right. I understand it. It's a well. First of all, there's there's definitely our whole culture. Like our whole culture is like a culture of the celebration of the rebel. Like that's our, our entire culture. That's what it is.
0: Right, let's put over so, collars for that. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of celebration of rebellion doesn't right. It doesn't the punk, like the punk attitude, the like this punk attitude. If you if you so so the idea of worship is the very opposite of that. It's saying, I'm gonna lower myself, I'm going to look up, I'm going to recognize that which is above me. Uh, and so it's very difficult for us to accept that as possible. Um, but we do it. The thing is that we do it anyways. We're going to worship anyways. Everybody worships. It's just the problem is that if you do it unconsciously, then that's when you, that's called addiction, right? That if you worship unconsciously, that's when you fall into addiction because you you don't realize what's going on and you're worshiping pleasure or you're worshiping this or that. And then it kind of, then it sucks you in um, and then it makes you a slave. So So that's why I'm saying like the ultimate, ultimately you want to be deliberate about what you worship rather than just be accidental.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to be careful because you're going to be shaped into the shape of what you are worshiping. If you worship a stone object, you'll slowly kind of turn into that stone object. You'll turn into whatever pattern you adulate that will come to engulf all, all of you. And
1: that's easy. You know what heroin looks like, right? everybody knows what heroin looks like. Everybody knows what, what an alcoholic looks like. They actually, it actually physically transforms you. Like everybody knows what someone what a prideful person looks like. That's why we have these, that's why we, you can play it in a movie, right? You can, you can play a prideful person and we'll recognize that, but some people like become that Mm -hmm. and you, and it's, and it's changes their face. Like they actually physically become the thing that they worship, uh, and so, and so, it's a, it's a reality. Like the thing that you worship will, like you said, will mold you into its image.
0: Yeah, yeah. But there, there are still patterns that are greater than us that aren't God. There are there are transcendent modes of being, something that greater than thought, uh, you know, greater than feeling, that still aren't aren't God. They're greater than us. They're on the way, mm-hmm. maybe. But they can get distracting uh from us. do, do you agree with that? I've I found yeah. that myself. How do you how do you know what's God and not just yeah, that's tough. something that's greater than you? Well, I and this
1: So the idea is that anything like any good is always of limited value. So any good, they like any good you can recognize, even the virtues, and that's okay. tough. That's tough because you know, um, it's so funny because I was reading this morning. I was reading *The Great Divorce* by C.S. Lewis. A great book, by the way. It's really good. Um, and he was he was talking about where he was talking about that where he, he talked about how sometimes uh, like lower passions that seem virtuous at the outset, like let's say the love of your child, like that's a good thing. Like loving your child is a good thing, but because it's such a it's it is an actual good, it's it's almost like more dangerous than let's say your lust, because lust you like. You give into lust and you kind of know that it's not good. Like you kind of yeah. know that it's bad for it you. It exhausts
0: you, itself pretty quickly too.
1: Yeah, it kind of, and so you're like, you're in this thing and you kind of know you need to get out, but if you love your child, you can trick yourself into thinking that this love is the is the absolute good and all the sacrifices you make for the love of your child is good, but the, it actually, it not necessarily, it can reach a limit, right? Where you are going beyond the pale in the love of your child, where you, you're actually trying to like, you know, suck the child into you. You're trying to like devour the child. Um, and so, and so it's harder to awaken from these kind of offset virtues. It's more difficult. It's like, mm. you have these images of, of monks, uh, this image of the Holy ladder where you see these monks going up a ladder towards God. Uh, and you see like, even that, like that really high up on the ladder, you see these like demons like pulling them down into yeah. hell and you realize that, Oh man, like you can do everything for pride, like every virtue you can do out of pride, and then it's like the last, it's like the last test whether or huh. not you're just doing it out of self-glory, you know?
0: Huh? Yeah. No, I was just, I was just thinking about that uh, because I expose so much of myself through recording myself and publishing it on the internet, which is rather <laughs> exposing. Yeah. And like at, at any moment and constantly, I'm always like one step from falling off and the higher I get, the more eyes I achieve, the greater my fall will be. Let's just say, the more people will be accusing me of mm. of wrongdoing, and I will have to bear that guilt uh, or that shame. Uh, it it magnifies as as my path becomes successively greater. And you know, there, there's ways of tricking myself out of that, but there, there's a reality to that. And well, what? And I was thinking, well, how do I keep my balance? How do I keep my balance? And I remembered this dream that I had about 20 years ago. I had this conversation with a close friend about heaven and hell, and we were talking about the reality of that. And uh, So I was was thinking about that, and then I had this dream that I was actually in hell, and everything was pain and suffering, and below me was this brick path. And the only way that I could stay on the path out was to be completely calm and completely relaxed— and and not respond to the pain not magnify hmm. that pain and that suffering and just very humbly very quietly follow that that trail out um so you know no matter how high you get you know th- there's like a like a an anecdote to pride uh mm-hmm. is you know if you say that pride is the ultimate uh test you know like you have to have the anecdote embedded in every one of your every one of your patterns every one mm-hmm. of your movements even between your patterns and the breaths that you take you need to be constantly uh, remembering that
1: yeah but it's tough like for us like i would say like you said it's it's a difficult situation you know i feel it all the time in hmm. terms of the fact that we have these public uh, personas and then Yeah. Sometimes you talk to someone and you real and you see in their eyes something which is scary, um, you know, and so and it's dangerous. It's like you almost like this is dangerous for me. Like, get away, get away. You know, you want it to you almost want to push it away or sometimes you don't. You want it. You want it, you know, because it feels it it gives you. So it's a it's a I think that that's like one of my biggest. uh, It's one of my biggest fears because I'm not a humble person. Like it just naturally. I'm just not. <laughs> I think anybody who's watching my videos will see that sometimes it comes out like I'm not a humble person. And mm. so it's like I I, I anyways, I hope
0: mm.
1: I just hope God will preserve me through this because yeah, sometimes it's especially like I in the past few weeks is the whole Lent is the worst. Like Lent is the worst. Like it you you can follow my Twitter feed when you see like when you see me start to say certain types of things, you're like, Okay, Jonathan, it's not doing well. <laughs> it's like it's usually is just like this kind of arrogance and pride that comes out.
0: Yes. And so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing Ramadan right now, and there's different levels to it. Uh, there's the the very basic level is just cutting out food during the day, mm-hmm. but then you know the the next level down is like well, cutting out being proud, uh, cutting out being petty, uh, arguing, snarkiness, gossip. Gossip is a big one. You know, like different behaviors. You you start mm-hmm. to take a break from different behaviors in the hopes that you're preparing the ground for uh, kind of a renewing of your heart, a renewing of your awareness so that you can actually examine uh, mm. your, your, your basic code, not that you can necessarily change it, but at least you're becoming aware of it. And so that,
1: are you, are you Muslim? Like, how when did this happen?
0: No, I'm not Muslim. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> my, my spiritual group, the, the founder of it uh, was Muslim. He came from Java Indonesia, and uh, it—he just said that it's a good thing. If you're a Christian, do Lent. If you're uh, Muslim, do Ramadan. It's really good. It's a necessary part of development. And because mm-hmm. most people in this group uh, did Ramadan, I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense to me. I tried it out, and uh, you know, how's it fasting. going? Some, some, some set, you know, I, I kind of messed up because I got the second vaccine on Saturday and it wrecked me. It absolutely wrecked me. So I had to break my fast, uh, uh on Sunday and a little bit on Monday. I had to end it, uh, soon. So mm. I have to kind of get back on the path, but it has been historically very good for me. And I, I didn't do it for a number of years. And then for some reason I did it during lockdown, uh, last year. And as soon as it, was, as it was over, it's a lunar, it's based on the lunar cycle. So it's, it shifts 12 or 15 days. And mm-hmm. it, it, it ended, it cleaned me out. It was a really difficult one. I had a lot of stuff that I was just like, I was just feeling crappy. I had to get a lot of stuff out. It ended and then the whole world blew up and evergreen became national. And like, I was really in the right space to start to speak about and, and hmm. operate Uh, from uh, a certain level uh, and to observe what was going on from a certain level. So it was really, I was lucky that it, it was timed correctly.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I've been curious about that, about how you're dealing with this because basically 2016, and 2020 it's like 2020 was like a macro version of what was yeah. going on in 2016 yeah. and so you know even in terms of in terms of evergreen in terms of like the whole brett and jordan peterson stuff all that happened at during that during that time it's as if now it's gone national um and so yeah, i've been curious about how you see that like how you perceive what's going
0: on well he- You know, people send me articles, like, here's another place that's doing the same thing. And I'm kind of tired of it now. I'm like, I I mapped out the pattern. I told it in wonderfully cringeful detail, like the most (laughs) cringe-worthy compilation of footage. I I went the distance. I don't know if there's anything else to do, but let it play out. So I feel Mm. in my heart very worried. When I I look at what's going on, I feel very worried that the gender issue, especially what um, is happening through the medical establishment and children imprinting these ideas into the bodies of of youth is is very troublesome to me. And I I don't know how to encapsulate my worry except for taking breaks from it. So I don't know exactly Mm. uh, what to do. But I'm very, I'm very, very worried when I when I look at the state of the world. But I I trick myself into saying it's going to. It's going to exhaust itself. It's really going to exhaust itself. And the p- problem is, is to build the ladders of people that wake up mm. before they hit rock bottom to, or when they are in rock bottom to, to walk out. So that's the only thing that I can really do is help people out uh, when they're ready to get out. But I can't stop it. I can't stop it.
1: Yeah, I think you have the same intuition as I do in terms of saying like trying to build uh, like a bastion or a, a seed or something for for rebuilding after all of this has kind of played out but they, like you said it's like you're just watching it happen it's like a tidal wave and and you're like what are you gonna do you can't you can't stop it anymore it's yeah. too it's too late and yeah. we had it's like we had these weird warning signs i guess it really does feel like t- 2016 was like this this bell that rang and and uh and some people heard it some people did hear it you know it's not like yeah. it went completely unheard but but now it's playing out at the at the you know, now the wave is actually there.
0: You know? It's kind of beautiful in a way. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> how terrible it is. <laughs> well, there I mean, there's something like like I said, there's something ecstatic about the you know what I the re enchantment. And so and it's real. Like it's like all of a sudden you almost see, like you can almost see the demons like entering back into the world. If you look, cracks, you can see you the know?
0: saints coming down <laughs> too. You can. And that's what I
1: hope is that I hope that it's all kind of, it's all happening and that there'll be some bright lights that are, that are shining, you know, in this, this kind of, uh, this reopening of the world to, to, to these patterns. So, so that's the, that's the, that's the hope. And I think it's, I think it's happening. I've been, I've been really surprised to see people, I didn't expect at all, like complete kind of secular atheists all of a sudden surprise me with some of the things they're saying, surprise me with some of the actions they're taking. And, uh, and so, you know, so I I think that we need, we can use those as little joys to kind of bring us forward and to to keep going and to see like, okay, yeah. So there is something happening. Like, even though I see this kind of darkness creeping in, like you can see these little specks of light peek through. And so, hold on to that and just kind of use that as a, as a footpath to keep going.
0: Is there, I, I think part of your work is to make the, the sacred secular in a way. And I think part of Jordan Peterson's, a phenomenon, as a phenomenon, not as an individual, uh, not as a psychologist, but just as a phenomena, which is undeniable that whatever he was doing, he tapped into something really big. The, and mm-hmm. he still is doing something really big. So just abstracting from his phenomena, he's, there's this he's bringing these two things close enough for this charge to start to arc. And I think it's mm. like a religious understanding and a materialist understanding. and And I think that they could, I think religion needs to be renewed. And I think that uh, material, uh, mater- our material knowing, has given us a lot. We cannot deny it. We can't walk away from it. But it needs to be brought into some sort of order. And I think that what you're doing is filling in the gaps of, of at least with artistically. Like that, there are these patterns, like these breadcrumbs, that are leading us back to some sort yeah. of correct stance between us and and the you know, God or whatever is outside of the frame. Um, whether or not people are going to be able to set aside their pride uh before it breaks them is is another question but if if people are ready for reentering into the church and just say okay I'll, fine I'll go I'll go like what do you think the church needs to do to be ready or or to be uh welcoming mm.
1: i mean i think that th- for sure, I think that the church is struggling to to understand what it's for, you know, because all the stuff that's going on in the world is happening in the church as well. It's like the the this kind of weird infection. Sorry to use that word, but like this kind of inflow of of social of ju- social justice thinking is there in the church too, and so a lot of people. You know they 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 think like okay oh I I kind of understood these patterns I've understood this kind of mythical framework and I want to kind of re-enter into into the church to 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 re-experience or to re to reinvigorate my life and then they get they they enter the church and they have people that are like pushing them out there people saying you know it's all about morality and it's all about you know you uh, know the environment or it's all about uh, these kind of social justice issues and that's really what Christianity is about and so. They're like, well, I'm, I thought I was kind of, it's like, I thought I was moving okay. into something more. And now you're telling me that this is what, it, this is what's going on. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's going to be, that's a difficulty that people are going to face um, as they want to kind of re-enter into a more sacred life or a kind of sacramental life. You could say is that they're going to encounter people who resist that, they, that they're going to encounter priests and bishops that don't actually want that. So mm-hmm. that's going to be, it's going to, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So this virus, uh, sorry <laughs> to use that term.
1: But it's, 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 it's a right term because if you, I don't know if you saw my video I did on how postmodernism is a virus. And I, and I just showed that, they, that it's the postmodern theorists use the, the viral image as their own image. Like they're saying that we are a virus. And so it's not completely wrong to say that because it's, it's actually, it's it's assumed by the 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 activists themselves so
0: yeah yeah, yeah well right. th- it it replicates itself in every hierarchical organization every well, this isn't true but one one of my friends said that i can tell if you're woke if you have more than uh, one boss if if you have to report to somebody who reports to somebody you're going to have to start to conform because and i think he was intuitively saying that this infects conformity it's very good at enforcing conformity. And a uh, a certain layer, like the satanic or the lowest layer of a hierarchical organization is conformity to the organization. And this virus mimics that that's one of its connecting principles it mimics conformity by these hr representative meetings by this propriety it enforces a certain propriety this is good speak this is bad speak mm. this is this is proper and improper behavior which is all about conformity so it it's very adept to jump from nike to uh, the Presbyterian church. It doesn't matter what the organization serves, whether it's shoes or God, the organization itself will be very easily infected by this. I think uh, that's a very, that's a rough sketch, but I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know. And, and the, but the,
1: the way to recognize it is to see that it replaces whatever the purpose of the hierarchy is with yeah. inclusion. Yes. That is inclusion becomes the top value of any structure and so if if it's a football team that's purpose is to play football inclusion is more important than playing football if it's a any any organization it's like i think it was even uh justin Trudeau that said that he said he said uh inclusion is our only value we're a post he said canada is a post-national nation and inclusion is our only value diversity okay. is our only value or something like that like something yeah, like yeah. inclusion and diversity is our only value and you think like That's actually—it's like that'll actually destroy the world. Like that—that will really—it will just destroy reality. That virus will eat up the world because (laughs) a purpose of a basketball team is to play basketball. Yeah. If you make it into and to win, but if you make inclusion its first its first purpose, it's going to destroy basketball. Yeah. And it's it's like that for every organization. Like inclusion is is an aspect is is an important aspect of an organization because what it does in the sense that. It opens up potentiality for whatever you're doing. So if you're, let's say you're playing basketball, like to have a level of inclusion on the margin of your team is useful because it means you're capable of recognizing the potential that you can draw in from the outside to accomplish your goal. Yeah. But if inclusion is your top priority, then you destroy basketball because that's not what basketball is.
0: What is it about inclusion that allowed it? Diversity, equity, inclusion, those those three things. What is it about those intuitively or do you see something about this that, that allowed them to become so It's because it's
1: that's what it is the destruction of hierarchy itself? It's a destruction of identity. Inclusion is the inclusion without identity is the destruction of identity.
0: Well and why div- okay, is that let's so powerful? The, why, div- why are so many people adopting that? What what's so infectious about that?
1: Well, it's the, it's the end of the, it's again, it's the end of the revolutionary process. Okay. It's the, it's this whole process, like since the enlightenment, even before, like this whole thing, it's playing itself out. And now we're reaching like the final fruits and the final fruits are really are this kind of weird satanic upside down world where it's basically, it's like, it, it's death. It's that it, hmm. diversity without unity is decomposition. That's what it is. It is death, and so it's this. It be it's like a, people are going to think. I you're. It, it's people going to think it's funny. It's a worshiping death, and so people will say, "Oh, you know, you're just being." No, that's what that's what worshiping diversity is. Worshiping death, and you can see because people who worship diversity hate identities, and they 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 love only the identities they can use as a weapon to destroy identity, and so yeah. that's why they love the most marginal identity possible because they're just using it as a weapon to destroy any form of identity. And so identity becomes weaponized to destroy identity. And this idea of diversity becomes this love of, of, of the multiple without unity. And it's, it, it ends up being, it just ends up being the destruction of, of the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't play out that way. Cause it, it's like the world, it ends up playing out as an upside down hierarchy ends up it ends up becoming this weird world where the exception is king where the you know the the, the jester is king um but it's a it's a it's, how can I say this it's not something that can last very long. Right? The mm-hmm. carnival the carnival you can't sustain gotta, the world of the carnival.
0: Yeah it's gotta it's gotta
1: go. Something it's with like, go, this some way it point.
0: came and went eventually. Yeah <laughs> and so
1: so I think that that's what's that's what's going on. It's it really is the the last part of this game, this uh, this whole process of revolution, and people, it's as if we've been telling people, how, like, how about this? We've been telling people f- for generations that the underdog is how reality works. Like, that's, the value is the underdog. And there is a value in that story. But if that's the only story, hmm. it has a self-contradictory thing because once the underdog like at the end of the movie right once the underdog wins yeah he's not the underdog anymore there's another other underdog coming for him we don't cut the movie there but the pattern shows you there's always another underdog and you keep going until you reach the ultimate underdog that is the most marginalized most you know most uh excluded possible person you can think of and then that's the final crown like put that crown on your head and
0: Okay. I guess this is a trick question. I just played it out in my mind, but maybe I'll have you vocalize it. You, you bring up the underdog mythological story, like very at the root of our civilization, David and Goliath. It doesn't end with David cl- killing Goliath. David goes on this huge arc of development. He eventually becomes the king within his own domain. How is that a better resolution than this continual revolution? Okay, the, so what was David story is a great no, but
1: David is a great story to understand how to solve the problem of revolution. And so uh David, first of all, the giant that that uh that David kills is not his own, it's not his king, right? It's not the one above him, it's, it's the strange, it's the outside, right? It's this, this kind of strange thing which is coming to invade him. But because of that, and partly, not just not necessarily because of that, but because of the virtue that David has and the fact that the king is corrupt, David gets named the secret king. Hmm. So David is the secret king. And King Saul, who is this corrupt king, is, is not doing well. But David says, I will not kill the king. And so in the, all of David's arc, he refuses to harm the king, hmm. even though the king tries to kill him constantly. So Saul is trying to kill David, trying to kill David, and David just refuses to kill the king. Um, and that's why he becomes king.
0: That's, and then that's really, messes things up when he gets up there. <laughs> he becomes well, a fallen has- king in and of himself.
1: Well, he doesn't do so bad. Like, he, he's, he's obviously not perfect, but he doesn't do so bad in the sense yeah. that he does centralize Israel, and he does found Jerusalem as a holy city, and he does bring the ark and, you know, plan the temple. So there is this sense that he establishes uh, a stable thing um, for at least a while.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how does Christ become the son of King David? And how, do, how, do, how does that 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 step, which you, you assert is the final step. And so, so
1: Christ kind of, let's say Christ takes the story of David and maximizes it, you could say. Uh, and so it's the same thing where Christ, you have this sense that Christ has the power to take over Rome. And so you see that in the story where he's okay. being tempted by the devil, where the devil says, you know, brings him to the top of the temple, brings him to the top of and says, you could be king over all of this. You could take all of this. I could, you know, if you just serve me, then all of this is yours, this whole world. Um, and then Christ refuses that. And he accepts to rather become small and to, and to die. And then that's why he is the king. That's why he becomes king. So it seems like a self-contradictory thing but if you understand the problem of the pattern of revolution then you realize that that ends up being the solution that self-sacrifice is the solution to to revolution
0: hmm.
1: that if you sacrifice yourself then you will be you will be raised up if you will but if you try to take the power for yourself and you try to lord it over others just out of your own power then you'll be taken up by others that are watching you, you know, from the corners because your your legitimacy won't be real. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's mm-hmm. like the, the the greatest the greatest version of that that has happened in recent culture, for example, is in Lord of the Rings. You have this ring, right, and you have this ring of power, and who, this you have all these characters that think that if I could get the ring of power for myself, then I would use it for good, right. And so you have these different characters pondering about like, maybe I could take the ring and then use it to help the world. But you know that if they do that, as soon as they take the ring for themselves, then they'll be corrupted by the power of the ring. Now take the Avengers movie, the last Avengers movie. It's the same story. It's not a ring. It's a gauntlet who cares what the actual image of it, but you have this ultimate power, this gauntlet and you know, and then uh, Thanos is using it to basically mold the world to his will, and he wants to destroy everything to rebuild it in his own image, or the ultimate image of pride. And so mm-hmm. you would think, like, what do you do? Like, what's the how? How do you solve the problem? And then Tony Stark solves the problem. He does take the ring. He takes the ring. He takes the gauntlet, and he uses it, but he uses it as self sacrifice. If he didn't die at that moment then the story couldn't have, couldn't have resolved itself. He had to die. Huh. He had to use the ultimate power in, yeah. a, in a moment where he knew that he was going to die.
0: Yeah. So the movie goes on, but you just, you're the one that ends so the movie can go on in a way. Instead of cutting <laughs> the movie off at you becoming king, you cut yourself exactly. off. So that be but then crime. you would
1: think, but then ultimately he, uh, he reaches the purpose of his own arc, right? He yeah. actually reaches the end of his own arc, which is this selfish kind of arrogant
0: person, you know, who also, who was also like a, basically a, a well, he's, he's, he he's a, iron. He's, he's the lowest metal. He becomes uh, being a, he was also like a weapon. He was
1: a weapon salesman for the beginning, yeah. his, at the beginning of his arc. So he actually ends up using the ultimate weapon, this like glove, which is kind of like his armor to sacrifice himself for the world. And so he kind of solves his own, his own arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly to understand that that pattern like that's that's actually the pattern and so if you if you let's say as a father in your family, if you sacrifice your desires your little passions for your children and for your wife and for the people around you, then you're actually going to gain it all in a
0: way mm-hmm. you're
1: you're you're actually going to you're surprisingly going to find yourself experiencing more joy, more mm-hmm.
0: fulfillment
1: that, yeah than if you said ah these these kids are annoying me i just need time for myself i need to you know i need to care for myself i need to get my own pleasures and then you hmm. then you you that runs amok very quickly hmm. it's like the weird mystery of reality which is itself like true self- denial and like not a not in a like kind of animos like a weird animosity or this kind of weird uh you know uh that's a resentful way but like true self- denial actually leads to more fulfillment it's weird hmm. but it's, mm-hmm. it actually Think of the times where you've done that. Like it actually, it's actually
0: true. Hmm. Have you seen Midsommar yet? I haven't. No, I haven't seen that. I think that is the, probably the most profound movie uh, of, of the decade. And hmm. I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that one. It's, it's absolutely horrific. And it's like a horror movie, right? It's, It's brilliant. I, you will make so much hay out of it. I, I want to make a video on it, but I'd rather you make the video on it. It it describes almost explicitly, and this is my reading, the end of of Christianity, re, uh, regressing away from Christianity and completely mm. just divorcing society from the the rule of Christendom. And mm. what what we're left with is it's terrible. Interesting. It's absolutely terrible. And the the director. I don't know what he was thinking or smoking, but he just <laughs> he just hit it. He just hit it out of the park on that one.
1: Interesting. Well, there, there are a few. I don't watch a lot of horror movies because I always it takes me a long time to recover from them. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember there was a movie that was like that. It was that movie. what's they call Cabin in the Woods by J- Josh. Uh, Josh
0: Whedon. Yeah, yeah
1: by Josh Whedon, and he. I don't think he did it on purpose, but he really, he really played out this world like we're in. It's like, this whole dark reality of sacrifice where you have to sacrifice someone. And then it ends not with self-sacrifice, but this just like refusal to sacrifice anything. And this like pothead refusing to sacrifice. And then it's like, here come the giants. It's like, (laughs) you caused the end of the world. And somehow it's presented almost like we should have sympathy for the main character, but it's like, uh, what's happening? And it was very strange. Like exactly like you said, like this strange, like, flooding in of this like pre-Christian world into, into reality and what that means. And especially what it means in a world of like narcissism and, and uh, like self-pleasuring, like what, what, how is that? It's basically bringing about the end of reality. And it's like yeah. that movie is like a strange acknowledgement of that somehow.
0: Yeah. I it, You brought up something very similar with WandaVision. I don't want to spoil your video or spoil WandaVision, but you guys are, uh, w- fairly worn, <laughs> where where it shows the, the it shows evil as a sympathetic character in, in, That's in, a odd. Way. in a in a way where it's like Disney-fied evil and i wonder if the mcu so called the Mar- marvel cinematic universe now that it's taking this turn will now go forward and just glorify the antithesis of the good in dress it up as the, as the good thing, so the celebration of these weird kind of base aspects of reality. I wonder if that's just part of the cycle that you kind of have to do.
1: It's possible. Cause they've been playing that for a while. They had maleficient. And now they have this Cruella movie um, yeah. and WandaVision seems to be part of that. Uh, it, and it's, I don't totally get it. Like I don't totally mm. understand I I see what's going on, but it, it's it's almost hard to imagine that they're doing it on purpose. Maybe it's like maybe I'm just too. I I I don't think people have such bad will, but it's very odd this celebration of this of like the female tyrant, like really like it. It starts out with like uh, uh, you know Moana. And it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of subtle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like subtle. And it's like, you know, you see Moana kind of humiliating this, this uh, male God and it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's a little subtle. And then it grows and it ends with this like celebration of this like female tyrant that tortures people in order to preserve her, her own solipsistic world. And you think, Like, is that a conscious arc that you're going on or are you just, I don't understand how you can, how we can be there. Like how, how is it that we got there?
0: Yeah. It's disturbing. What's the end game of the female tyrant pattern? Can you kind of dictate how that kind of just logically or dream logically works out?
1: I mean, what, what the, what the, the tyrannical mother, how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. What's,
0: what's, what's after. Yeah. Well, it's not pretty. But is it fecund in a way like, like does well, it doesn't, no, it's, ground? Not, it's
1: it, I mean, may, like all, all breakdowns clear yeah. the ground in a way. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it can be very painful. It can take a while. Like a lot of people will tell me this, like a lot of people tell me, well, you know, the, I understand. And I, I agree. They say, this pattern can't hold, you know, it, it's not, it's not real. And so it has to break down, but you know, how long did, USSR lasts. it lasted quite a while and a lot of tens of millions of people got tortured yeah. and killed before we reach the end of this false pattern. And yeah. so it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, even though it's a false pattern, it it will impose itself more violently for it being false. And so it's not necessarily going to get prettier.
0: Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we keep on looking at the abyss and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what what's uh to end where we began what's on your plate what's next coming up you're starting these groups is there another project or something that you're rallying your your concentration or investing your attention into
1: um i mean i think right now i'm mostly trying to kind of streamline things just so that i cuz it's I'm doing a lot of things at the same time, the carving and the, the, so I'm trying to do that. And uh, ultimately, hopefully I'm hoping, I guess I'm telling, telling, saying this for the first time, I'm probably hoping to write a book of some kind. And so that's probably the next step.
0: One with pictures or just words? No, it'll just be, it'll
1: just be, well, the book with pictures is probably coming out this summer. So I'm working, I worked on a graphic novel with my brother and an artist. It's, It's a series, but we're putting out the first volume this summer. kind of dealing with these questions of, it's about, it's about uh, St. Christopher, the dog faced saint that has a dog head. Mm. So it really is about the problem of the exception and the problem of residue, the problem of hybridity and, you know, how this can fit in a bigger pattern. But uh, the book that I want to write is mostly would basically be kind of taking the ideas in my videos and, and synthesizing them into a, to something which is cohesive. And, you know, so that's, that's probably the next thing I need to do. Cause at some point, I don't know about you, but at some point I'm feeling like these YouTube things are going to run out. Mm. Like This, this YouTube world is going to, it's all, it's already kind of pressing in, in terms of mm. control, in terms of, you know, the whole social media problem of people getting um, mm. censored and banned and stuff. So it seems like it's going to get worse. That's one. And then also, you know, I don't want to end up just kind of turn it running around in circles at some point, and so yeah. so hopefully it can move towards something something else.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to end it in a way, yeah, I, that's kind of the uh, the per well, the the final purpose of the Evergreen documentary. Once I'm done mm. with it, I'm done with it. Once I've once I've given it its due, then it no longer rules my life. Uh, yeah. in, in a way, and it doesn't anymore, but. Uh, like that. So what that. about
1: you? What are you cuz I've seen you be with uh is it James Lindsay? I guess I've been seeing him a lot on your on your on your channel. Like what's your what is arc. what are your next Yeah, what's your arc? You yeah.
0: Go. Yeah. Um well, I I decided to start to publish my literary uh, writing on Substack. And we'll see how long mm-hmm. that lasts, but uh, I'm doing my last novel first and then just continuing to Put, put them out. So uh, that takes a lot of concentration. And it's actually a gift because I'm out. Uh, it's forced me to take Twitter <laughs> less seriously. It, well, let, let me put it this way. I, I use Twitter a lot to connect with people for the interview portion of my content, which is I think the interviews are very sustainable because they hmm. can go wherever and they're not me just recycling my own self. I guess I'm recycling my curiosity, but mm. by the basic fact of it being curiosity, it's always kind of leading me in different directions and stuff like that. but um, and then I also use Twitter to glean a story of the day kind of content where I ingest a story of a day. and putting that creative energy from being a critic into back into being a creator has really like forced me to look at Twitter as just this absolute cesspool of selfish behavior. (laughs) And and even people who are acting bad, you can't even call them out because now that's part of the game. They Mm. act like a complete jerk, and then people call them out on that, and then they say, see, this is why you guys are a bunch of jerks. So this is a bunch of white supremacists oppressing me, or you know, look Mm. at all these male chauvinists oppressing me. Like, no, you just said something stupid. You know, so there's no solution there. There's just constant, Mm. constant chaos. And so it it's forced me to recognize that there's nothing really creative going on there except a witticism Mm. every now and then. And to really kind of focus on, you know, like, like the, the big demon in my life, which is like this huge, tremendous ambition that I fed and fed and fed for years. And now Mm. once I finish it, then I can put that to rest. And I'm no longer that boy struggling under this big weight of ambition that, 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 uh, that started my arc in the first place back in the mm. mid-90s. So that is kind of, uh, I guess it's a, kind of a negative portrayal of a creative endeavor, but that's kind of what I'm engaging in.
1: <laughs> well, I'm happy to see that you've got, like, a, you've got, I know that you've been working on your own poems and your your own novels for a while. So yeah. I'm happy to see that there is a, a way to kind of put that out there.
0: Yeah, I think eventually they get into good stuff. It's just I I'd love, I, I shouldn't talk about it yet. I just, should just let it be. And when it's done, it's done. But mm-hmm. eventually, we get to the mythological and trying to recode that map, or, or starting to play around with the assembly language of our of our dreams, like really getting yeah. down there. And that's kind of what I wanted to have you want to talk about, but we didn't get there today. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we and we can't get there today but I just, I struggle under this idea of a, of a template that's not tyrannical and I search for the new and, and I have a sense that you, if, if I brought that to you, you'd kind of say, well, you're doomed. You can never escape. The pattern is going to swallow you back up. There's, there's never anything new. There's only uh, I guess like, yeah,
1: well it's, but it's not, it's not as simple as you would think. And so, so let's take, let's take, just take the Bible, for example. And so you could imagine that the, the stories in scripture all culminate into Christ. And so that's kind of my contention. And so Christ then also distributes himself into a kind of indefinite uh, mirroring reality. So, so, so it's not like there's just one story and people would just tell one story, you know, let's say, like you said, like the hero, the hero myth that has been kind of boiled down to as essentials they just end up telling really crappy stories. They're not good, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so, and so it's, it also means that they haven't, people who are kind of retelling these boring hero myth stories have not completely mm-hmm. imbibed the, 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 the pattern. And also it's myriads mm-hmm. of possibilities as it plays itself out. And so, you know, let's say uh, like a simple example would be, let's say the crossing of the waters, right? That's a simple pattern that you see in every culture and of all time, but, there are different versions of that where it does things don't happen in the same manner. And so the, let's say the the way that Israel, Israel crossed the waters to go to the, to leave Egypt, right. It's not the same way that Jonah crossed the waters to get to Nineveh. That's completely different. And it mm-hmm. plays out completely different. The similar elements are in the story, but mm-hmm. the whole emphasis and everything about it is so completely different that most to most people, they won't even be able to see that it's the same it's the same story and that's fine that's totally fine so so i I would say that don't the idea is not to get too worried about it's not it's not it doesn't end up playing out as this tyrannical pattern because it 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 reflects itself in these in the particulars that it kind of embodies itself in
0: i think it goes back to the like (laughs) that that idea of worship like there's just this there's just this space that reflects something greater. There's just it it's just something, but there's this little space inside of that story, inside of that drawing, inside of that person that reflects up that, that is if you polish it right, that it, it links mm-hmm. up into something greater. And
1: and Yeah. No, oh, that's a good way to see it. Definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Jonathan. That's uh in the recording now. Um I guess people know where to find you. I'll put links to your uh wonderful body of work in the description
1: yeah and good luck with uh publishing of your material looking forward to yeah. seeing
0: how that plays out it's fun you know one sentence at a time i love sentences but i hate paragraphs and pages are just my worst nightmare but if i just concentrate <laughs> on the sentence i'm okay <laughs> you're an aphoristic person we all know that
1: yeah, that's, that's where you're you
0: definitely shine that's where my seminality is best concentrated <laughs> We're going to end the recording now. Congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.